by Leonard Cohen.
Crowdsourcing the Revolution. I'm Amanda, and I am just here to moderate discussion, hopefully on things we can do to improve our situation as far as that goes. Welcome, everybody. I want to just start off by um, referring back to one of the reasons why I started this room which was to have some discussions on how do we how do we organize together outside of the political parties to work to either pressure them or do something better than what they're doing because we're not getting a lot of um, response so one of the first things I thought of is, well, I'll just vote my represent. I'll vote for the alternative, not the person who's in office, but the person who's challenging that person. Well, my primary already happened, so there's nothing I can do. But there's primaries in a whole bunch of places still to happen, and there's the November election. So I started looking at how do we, maybe we do, don't vote anybody who's an incumbent back. That would be a disruption. And when I did the math of it, with ever, considering everybody who's not running, everybody who is running, and the incumbents and their parties, the count would be almost identical in the House if everybody just didn't vote for the incumbent. But too many bad faith actors, so that's a ridiculous idea. So I put together a Google Doc sheet. It's linked in the description for the podcast. 
that it lists all the different candidates in all the different states, including the independent and other party that are not the Democrats and the Republicans. And if there's a way that we could maybe support those candidates, even if we don't live in their district. All of that is to say, I'm not sure, I'm not sure even what kind of thing might we might organize to do. So, call-in seems like a good platform for discussing that. One of the recent um, things that re came to, became clear to me is the Republicans try to suppress, they try to stay in office by suppressing actual individual voters and taking people off the voter rolls, but the Democrats they just don't want any other competition from anybody but the Republicans. And then they want to be able to pick their Republican opponents so they can win. Well, that's not the right way to be doing things from a district-to-district -district basis because a certain district might be better served by somebody who's a Republican if the Democrat, let's say, is anti-choice. So there's a lot of possibilities. I want to invite anybody who'd like to talk about this, about what kind of, one of the things that occurred to me is, so people who are independent, they don't have the resources of a political party to give them the information on what's going on. So people who are independent and don't belong to Republicans or Democrats are going to have a different experience of elections. And I don't feel like the national news is ever going to be a good place for us to get information. Um, hey, Joe, I see you. So, so I, I agree we should have to. So Joe is suggesting in the comments here um, that, that, um, we should have term limits. I agree it's important to do these things. I think there's a lot of things wrong and so there's a lot of different solutions that are going to be required. And I, and I think that there's no way that we can do it. I mean, democracy is a group project. And the people in charge right now, they are the ones that showed up. And we have to... Um, So, so I agree. I, I agree, Murphy. And a new paradigm. So having something that people know, something that they can wrap their brains around. Yes, I'd like to. Would you call in and expand on that thought? I'm interested to hear what you mean. What you mean by that? Because that is an interesting, that is one of the things that seems to be missing is, yeah, we all know how shitty it is. Excuse my French. But what does it look like when it doesn't look shitty and how do we get there? What, the what are the steps we take? So one of the steps we can take is be informed. But lots of us are already informed and we're ready to do something. But then what do we do? We can't do things by ourselves because that doesn't have any impact. It's like... Well, I guess a mosquito in a room when you're trying to sleep at night does make an impact, but really we need a bigger group of people because we outnumber the people that are making these decisions that affect us. 
understand, Murphy. Thank you. I appreciate your input, though, anyways. So, so, um, I, I think one of the challenge, so I'm just going to put out a couple of ideas that I think could make our current system better or less bad. Let me say it like that. One idea is instead of trying to eliminate, eliminate campaign finance or limit it, we could limit the amount of time that campaign finance money could be raised and spent around a certain number of weeks around the election. Because there's a lot of ongoing campaign funds that are raised, you know, all the time in between elections. And if there was a time limit on the amount of time you could raise and spend the money for campaigns, and I realize there's downsides and obstacles to doing that because it's a billion-dollar industry these days, but it is an approach. Another approach I'd really like to see implemented at the um, national news level is, you know, when I was growing up, I used to watch Good Morning America before school, and they would always cut away to the local weather guy. They'd put on who their national weather guy was to give the national, and then you would get the local weather guy, and they would cut into that guy. Why don't we have the same thing for elections? Because... Really, as much as I find it fascinating what's happening with Matthew Ho in North Carolina, I have no ability to impact that race as most Americans don't donate to campaigns, can't donate to campaigns. Very few volunteer for campaigns, especially that are ones not in their district or state. So why am I hearing about different and when i could be having a little segment on on my my representative happens to be barbara lee right why am i not having anything come up on the news for local and everybody i think should get a local anyhow this could be a very short show hi thomas welcome we're just we're just talking about what kinds of challenges are facing individual voters who are not part of a party and and what those what what kinds of resources might help those folks i don't know participate better or at least show up in ways to put pressure on our representatives to do something cuz it's just not the the way that the system has been shored up is just impressively difficult to even think about running. As a former elected official, I'll just tell you right now, I'm so glad that I ran in a nonpartisan race because the stakes get so high and the money gets so much so fast in these races with the Democrats and Republicans. Thomas, welcome. Please unmute yourself. What's on your mind? Thank you for being here. Hey, man. Um, so yeah, no, nonpartisan races are good. Good, good, good. I mean, they, uh, uh, that's, uh, I, I wish we actually had nonpartisan races at higher levels of government, not just in local elections, honestly. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's where, uh, uh, 
folks, I, I think folks need to be, uh, you know, applying to run more uh, in nonpartisan elections. Um, we need to be fielding more candidates on that front. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, I think we need to be building up uh, networks and to support local campaigns more, uh, especially focusing on, uh, you know, getting a, getting a pool of voters to turn out for local candidates that, you know, expands just beyond one, one particular candidate or one particular campaign in a given year, but like a consistent pool of voters that we know that we can rely on and organize to show up at the ballot box, especially for off-season elections where those elections are not in a year where you're getting the down-ballot effect, you know, like there isn't like a major presidential election or it's a governor election, but it's just something like, you know, your municipal election at an odd, on an off, on an off period. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, targeting those kinds of races during those periods are important because you're not going to have to worry about the down ballot effect swamping, swamping the vote towards one of the major two parties. And if you can actually get people to turn up at that point, then, you know, you can, you have a much, that's a much more competitive race by comparison. Um, so, so I, I'm just going to put this out there. What do you think? I mean, I kind what I'm hearing is a, a framing from not the local community level, but from the party level. And I don't think that having, and maybe I'm hearing it wrong, but part of it's the framing that we are all living in. So it's, um, and it's difficult to pull, I know it's difficult for me to pull myself out of the, out of the current framing of, of the way that we're seeing things. But I think that we need to, I think the who is 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 this for who who would I like to try and help? It's the individual voters who feel like they they don't have time to look at what are all the referendum on this, what are all the initiatives on this ballot, what are all the local races, who are all the judges, because mm-hmm. that becomes overwhelming at the local level. But that's hard to do because it's there's no national, there's barely a statewide for most states. Uh, da- database, you mean, of local local yeah. issues, uh, local candidates, candidates, and and like ballot measures yeah. and all of that. I mean, it just takes. I mean, I suppose it could be done automated out of newspapers if newspapers are putting the information. No, you, in. you would you would still need to scrape them, and there's difficulties there too. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, as a tech person, uh, you know, we when I was with the People's Party, um, you know, I, I did speak with some people about what the practicality would be of compiling those kinds of web scrapers. But it's just, I I agree though. I think we do need to work on tabulating that information. I think Ballotpedia, you know, has tried to be that. I think there are some local applications that at least can figure out who the candidates are, but doesn't actually, you know, tabulate all the intricacies of, you know, well, what are their main like platform points, you know, right. what tabulate the statements that they've made, you know, so I've, I've had to like, for example, for my own local election, I've had to go off to, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll find the candidates, you know, first I have to figure out which 
which district I'm in beforehand because districts move around from time to time and all kinds of things. And I need to find out who my candidates are. Then once I find my candidates, then I have to go through and, you know, link out to multiple newspapers just to find out their written statements. And when I find their written statements, you know, they're a page or two long and they're not easily digestible. You know, is this person for Medicare for all? Is this person not for Medicare for all? Is this person, you know, uh, you know, a libertarian, you know, like what, you know, what are the primary summary points on their stances, you know? And, and so then I, I have to then piece through, piece apart, take apart those statements, read over them, somehow formulate that in my hand, in my, in my head and into a, you know, a cognizant, like, you know, or or put it into my phone because it typically I'll do this like the day before or like while I'm driving to the, uh, well, not driving, but in the parking lot of the, uh, of the uh, (laughs) board of elections. Uh-huh. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sitting there in my car baking, no, uh, you know, in the you. heat and, same, same and, thing. and, uh, you know, tabulating that on my phone, it barely and, and trying to figure out who to vote for. And then, and then hopefully when I go in, you know, I actually, you know, don't second guess my choice or something or miss or miss hit the wrong option or whatever. But yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's sucky. Uh, but you know the Democrats. Oh, you got to love the Democrats. They're always sitting out there with their with their little their, their little uh, you know uh, uh, five by uh, five five by eight and a half little little pamphlets. You know, as mm-hmm. you're walking up to the up to the ballot center with right. vote for this initiative. Don't for the, vote for this initiative. Vote for this candidate. Don't vote for this candidate. <laughs> and they're handing them out. And so, what Ohio? What? Ohio. Okay. Just I'm just curious because different states have different rules for all these things, which is also yeah. We have to. Silly. You have to be set far so far back. I think we have like it's what maybe 25 feet. Uh, I, I, I think it's like 200 feet in in California, but I could be. Don't quote me on that. The, oh, the, oh, I've but, also I've also seen I, I've also seen it. I. It, I think it just all depends, like on the type of location, because For if it's sure. a uh, if it's a board of elections office, I think that the setback is farther. If mm. it's for a, uh, a, a a polling station, it's I I I don't remember if it's the same. Wait, so they made it complicated? Get out of town! Yeah, they right. Make the rules complicated. <laughs> So see, this is so, the so, thing. This is why yeah. having some simplified, standardized something or other. And I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I, I just want to, I want to welcome the folks who've shown up. Um, and before I ask you uh, this question, I just want to let folks know um, that um, Hampton Inn and Suites is going to be on at 4:30, and and I always enjoy Bide's show. So this show is going to go to 4:30 today, and I am going to be back on Friday afternoon at about the same time, because I I want to have this discussion. So I just wanted to let all the folks know that that's what's happening today. And Thomas, I'm curious your movement for People's Party experience. Um, I I attended the the. Um, that initial conference or, or um, convention that was yeah. online. It was interesting. And uh, I was I one of the uh, producers in the credit. <laughs> I was oh, one yeah? of the producers okay. in the credits. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, was, yeah. I like watched the well, I, I was like, I was running it. Funny story yeah? on that, by the way. Funny story. Um, yeah. We were being, the, the website was being DDoSed. Uh, we were getting a denial of service attack as the convention was going on, and I was actively scaling our website servers, our hosting servers, while 
the convention was being broadcast because we were we were getting not only we were getting a lot of traffic, but we were also getting uh, just straight up DOS. Wow! Um, so you're not kidding. You're an IT guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm an actual IT guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, so, so one of the things was they were talking about the building the building the different regions and building the grassroots and you know, making those connections locally. How did that, how has that gone? How was that process of building those local on the ground networks? They were very disorganized. They were very disorganized (laughs) internally when it came to, uh, when it came to doing on the ground uh, and organizing and setting up the structures and everything like that. Uh In some ways they overbuilt uh-huh. Um, thinking that there would be a, you know, tons and tons of group. They had, you know, tons and tons of groups and tons and tons of states. You know, they, they, they pre-built, you know, this complex structure, uh, uh-huh. with, uh, with states and then hubs underneath and everything like that, but they didn't have people to fill them. And then when uh-huh. somebody did get plugged into one of those hubs at the state level, they were the only person. They were isolated. They didn't have the support that they needed. Uh-huh. And right. so, you know, I, I've, you know, when you organize and uh, you bring an organization together and you you try to set it up, you want to build. Um, you know, you you want to work with larger groups and then, as they grow, you know, break those down. And you know, you want to create a support structure that supports the fostering of lower groups on on you know as you continue to grow down. You know, support. Uh, you know, have higher, higher tier groups providing, you know, technical support and logistics and things. And that whole approach, I think they, they weren't good at plainly. So. Do you think, so, so that's, that's very interesting. I'll be interested to speak to you more about that because I think you probably have some ideas about what not to do, but what might work better. Because that's the thing. Anything you have to start from small, like maybe even whatever this idea becomes starts in Ohio and in Iowa and in California where there's people that are doing it. And it stays like that until there's somebody in another state that gets interested enough to, because that's the thing. You got to have a passion for it if you're going to put in time, especially time that's unpaid or low paid, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and, so. and you can have, uh, you know, there's various models. There, there's the growing from the ground up. There's, there's growing from the top down. Uh, just depends on what your, what your onboarding pipeline is for volunteers and other things like that. Um, and what your focus is and what you're trying to build. Um, like, right. for example, if you're talking about like a political party that has, you know, strict, um, requirements you know at the state at state level right. and everything like that there, there's right. there's financial requirements structural requirements fec compliance all r- all rigid. Kinds of things. there's lots of paperwork yeah yeah and then and then you got to be sure that like you know for example if somebody's in the leadership of one thing that they're not in the leadership of another organization like for example you don't want any cross pack polluting you know of certain things, you know, you have to be disconnected from candidates and there's all kinds of rules and things. And so you can't necessarily build that as kind of like an autonomous, you know, an autonomous, you know, collection of independently operating cells in a state that has to be developed in a structured manner. So that kind of, that kind of, you know, um, 
pushes you f- into a top-down development model. But then if you're going to do that in a top-down development model, you need to make sure that when you, you, you start from where you have, you know, your largest grouping of people and that provides logistics to grow groups underneath and you do it sequentially tier right. after tier after tier going down. You don't just try to shoot for the, all the way at the bottom of the, uh, of the, uh, structure and not develop any of the middle ground logistics in the process. And that's what happened. So interesting, but, but on the flip side and the flip side, if you look at like organizations like extinction rebellion, you know, they can operate. They they don't, they don't have those uh, same kind of requirements to, uh, uh, you know, you don't need those same structural requirements. And so as a result, you can set those up as independent cells at the ground level. You know, XR is, uh, you know, one of the, one of the top organizations and kind of pushing that model. So that's, that's interesting too. And that's a more recent, I more recently discovered extinction rebellion and I'm so thankful that it, that they exist and that I now know about them. Thank you for that interesting point about their structure too. That's very good to know. I'm going to have Andrew come in here and, sure. um, and, and Thomas, I do not want to lose track of you because you have lots of good things in your head that I think you could share with the rest of us, and it would be fantastic. Well, uh, Andrew, what's on your mind? A um, couple of things, I guess. Um, I I think the the strategy that Thomas was roughly describing, I mean, I can't speak to the intricacies from the People's Party, mm-hmm. not having been much of a part of it, but uh, with Morena in Mexico, they did um, do like the Inca model, or you could call it a top-down model, but I guess I would call it more like spokes, <clears throat> where you have... Um, you know, a small number of coordinators, like maybe there's one per state and then, or maybe there's a couple per state. And then within each um, electoral district in the state, they have uh, a handful or 10 coordinators and they scale it like from a, a handful of people all the way out to, you know, several thousand people per state um, to build the, the party initially. And these are not just, (coughs) oh, sorry. Uh, These are not just, um, thank you. (laughs) These are not just like voters. These are people that are, that are actually taking a little more part in the party. And then, um, they encourage you to start. Um, I, I I think they would call it like a assembly, not necessarily an assembly or like a council more. And it's a minimum of 10 people. They encourage you to use, your family or friends or whatever to, to fill out these councils. And then, Uh um, and then there's a pretty quick link, say that your council and six other ones in your town notice there's an issue like the drinking water is not actually drinkable for the last two years or whatever, um, or whatever else. It's, it's a quick response time from there to the, the smallest number of people at the quote unquote top of the pyramid. So I don't think that that structure is like unworkable 
Um, but I, I don't know enough about the people's party to, to, you know, and their, what their organizers were doing to say like, well, here's three reasons I think that that was brittle for them. But, and, and here's some other reasons why I think it could work better with these minor changes. Um, I, I also, I did some organizing with the Seattle chapter of Extinction Rebellion from 2019 to 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have some other thoughts about that, but I don't want to jump to different topics yet. If there's something else you wanted to say about the, like, how do you, how do you make a, a party span across 50 states um, when, when actually it would be sort of like hollow without enough people? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and having something that, that people who are independent or who like want to jump ship off of Democrat or Republican parties have a place to land. And I don't think necessarily it has to be a political party. But again, I'm, I'm not attached to any particular idea except that I want to make it easier for people to be participants in what's going on or at least to f have some action that we can take to put pressure on the people in charge right now, which I think all of us agree there's some serious rethinking that needs to happen. But, but, um, but I feel hopeful that, that if we were, I like that idea of the, um, having the different, the loose confederation of, or, of little groups or, con or councils or however you want to call it. Andrew, go ahead. I guess it's, it's not so much a loose confederation somewhere. I have a photo of this structure so I can actually read it back a little better, but, um, uh, the, let me, let me talk about the last few words you used to describe that. Um, like with, um, with extinction rebellion, I mean, they pulled off something, impressive with their protests in London in 2019 and they did win some I would say kind of aesthetic concessions from the government at that time it was like March 2019 I think they pulled off this large um, series of protests across London but in the US they've been a complete mess like our chapter um, in Seattle had a number of kind of reboots or like just mass um, burnout or dissatisfaction because with the autonomous structure, you'd have eight people who start a chapter, let's say, and they vote on how they want things to be roughly for their own accommodation in their chapter. And they, they vote on these priorities for actions and um, and then more and more people join, and you have to get them all up to speed. And um, very often they're not going to be 100% okay with what happened before. And, and there's there's no there's no like unique aspect of the Extinction Rebellion organizing model that makes them more prone to that necessarily. Um, but like there was a whole. Uh, there, so there's three main demands of the Extinction Rebellion in the, in the United Kingdom. Uh, and for Extinction Rebellion in the U.S., almost everybody voted to add a fourth one, which basically was like a just transition clause saying, like, 
we want to make sure the the most economically hard hit communities and areas get some kind of investment and help first. And that just like shattered a bunch, you know, a bunch of people left because they're like, no, this isn't exactly how they did it in the UK. So the, you know, one of the things that was mm. enticing about Extinction Rebellion was the fact that other than, you know, the basic principles, you could do things your own way. You could vote to change things. Um, and, and the other thing too, is like the, the online places where people would, I mean, people took like, secrecy and privacy and communication extremely seriously which on the one hand i understand because you know if you for instance try to share something about a protest on facebook they'll probably just like shadow ban you so that nobody sees it at all even if like i have a friend who's been organizing these protests to uh to help free leonard peltier and when we try to share it on facebook it's like your friend it gives you a message that's literally like sorry you can't do that right now. Or one time it told me like, they're not interested (laughs) when I tried to send it to my friends. It's like, well, they could, they could tell me if they're interested or not. I don't need Facebook to tell me. So, and and there's also extreme uh, surveillance and monitoring. So I get the, the desires for secrecy, but I found that the, the really scattered nature of extinction rebellion and the fact that as people come in, they have to learn how things have been done before. And they realize they're inheriting like, the problems and mistakes of everyone before them. And then when people try to get on board with like cooperating with other groups, it just, it had a lot of issues. And I guess I would have to go back to some of my notes from meetings and, and read Mm -hmm. back again through the XRUS structure. But I would say like, I would not hold them up as like a shining example of something we should replicate Um, because XR in the UK, I mean, they had the one like really large successful, 30, 40,000 person protest in London in 2019. Um, and then they kind of gave up after they won a really small demand that was like, okay, parliament will enact climate something. They didn't really get their actual demands met. And the other thing right. too, is if you, if the two people like Roger Hallam and George Monbiot are kind of two of the most prominent um, originators and public figures, organizers for extinction rebellion in the UK um, George Monbiot is a, sort of a Malthusian. He thinks that there needs to be like a big thinning of the population. He's super, mm. you know, concerned about population growth in the global South, threatening everything else. Um, he's into uh, economic um, like drawdown, like a degrowth of all everything industrial. But he doesn't actually like personally. He he kind of sloughs off c- people's concerns about like quality of life mm-hmm. and then roger hallam last thing i'll say the one of the guys who started the seattle chapter of extinction rebellion his name's doug um total piece of work he um he did a lot of shady things like there would be we did this um march with an indigenous group called protectors of the salish sea um like well i guess they weren't called that yet but that's what they ended up being and doug like coordinated with the the police to try and get you know permissions and let them know like oh hey we're gonna do this march and protest thing so just letting you know and then when the police all you know obviously came in and disrupted it and cracked heads um doug was like okay everybody leave like once some of the indigenous protesters were getting arrested and then uh and then he had we, we had had people voted in to do like 
jail support, bail support type of stuff, make sure that they immediately get contacted and bail posted and make sure there's pressure so that they aren't just like abused and left in the prison. And he just said, actually, don't do that. He just said, you know, don't do that. We're not responsible for them. They're not in our group. And then eventually there were all sorts of different things like that where Doug was doing just really shady stuff. And we, we eventually kind of kicked him out of the chapter and he had control over all the communication, like with the national extinction rebellion group and, and also with the international groups and the email and everything. And once we kind of forced him to give us over the passwords, we saw that Roger Hallam had been talking with him really extensively and saying like, Hey, um, you should not work with XRUS. Um, you should listen to us instead. And they were specifically talking about people in, in our specific, you know, very small chapter. And, and they were like, yeah, don't let them have any say really like, you know, make them feel heard, but you shouldn't do that. That's a bad idea, whatever they're suggesting. And this was like one of the primary organizers in the UK, or at least one of the people who was really prominent in media saying, yes, we should do this and that. And so I would just say there's a lot more we need to examine. I mean, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We did organize some large protests and, and a lot of the people in Extinction Rebellion, once we had stabilized after months and months of working to kind of, you know, heal old wounds that we inherited, Mm -hmm. Um, we did do some interesting things and there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, let's protest against Amazon because a climate and B they work with ice and the CIA and stuff. So there was like interesting Mm -hmm. political education going on. There was, we did a lot of, um, like know your rights and sort of preparing people for how to protest and, and you know, what, how to avoid arrest or what to do if you plan to get arrested, all these different types of things. But at the end of the day, I I think I realized like the aesthetic to the to the outside viewer of of a group like Extinction Rebellion is off-putting to just ordinary working people. They come across as like mm. like I mentioned they want they want sacrifices of standard of living of ordinary people and they don't really they think if you disagree then you're just an asshole. Mm. And even if there's people who are uh, sympathetic or understanding to people who who can't really afford to take a lot of you know like personal action around climate and things um when i talked to when i proposed to the group like this is kind of what prompted me to leave is i proposed hey everyone for like months now we've been doing these protests against amazon in the like upscale uptown like tech sector of amazon but there's warehouses nearby and we could help the workers at the warehouses unionize and if they're asking for better pay, safety conditions, you know, or they demand to not be ordered to complete, just destroy tens of thousands of items that they're going to sell, this and that. I was like, that would be good. And and then they were like, basically their response was, no, um, we already work with the Amazon tech workers for climate justice. And they said they don't want us to do that or or they'll call the police. <laughs> and also Ugh. those people that work in the warehouses, they're just kind of like poor and uneducated like they probably don't care about climate so why would we go and work with them and at that point i was like i've wasted enough time here so yeah and also okay sorry last thing i promised talking to people talking to people on the servers of like xrus like nationally it just became a facebook thread like 
people would occasionally early on, they would, they would propose actions, uh, for certain things. And, uh, and, you know, people would actually debate it a little bit and they had a decent organization of, um, kind of committees within the server. So if you wanted to specifically work on one issue or one region, you could do that there. And it was cool. Um, but after a few months, it just turned into like, here's an article. Oh my gosh, we're still so fucked on climate. Wouldn't it be crazy if someone did something about it? And, uh, and then that kind of died down really heavily until the, the sort of revolt against the murder of George Floyd popped off in 2020. And then I was just on the server, like arguing with people like, no, don't show up in your costumes and protest for climate stuff at the, at the, you know, defund the police rally. It's not going to look good for you. And a bunch of people still did it anyways, but it was like groups of three or four people. And, and we did, we did even have like, um, infiltrators, like, like one, one or maybe two, but one for sure kind of, um, provocateur that, that joined the group and then split into a different XR Seattle group and said, I'm the real one and, and tried to screw us over. So like, even though we were totally disorganized and like, toothless i think i guess because we pulled off a couple of marches that had a lot of people there um and you know I, I guess the some some level of police or intelligence took notice and was like well let's just even though they're probably useless let's just make sure so you know i'm not saying there's zero potential for extinction but i'm just saying we should not be advocating people just take up their strategies or join that group in the u.s right now because i don't think they're capable of much Thank you. I, I I get that on the Seattle chapter, and and I hear there's weaknesses, there's weaknesses in all kinds of organiz, organizing. But what would be really, you know, it would be would be great if there were little networks of councils, even if it was only a few in a few places, because you just need one or two people that know how to work well with the media and social media to get attention to it. Because it's about drawing drawing attention, right? So we can put pressure, or it's about something else. I mean, I don't. It's not about me. It's a try and want to try and have that. So there's so much going on. It's 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 hard sometimes to get focused on what is it that you can do, and and I would say that anybody who hasn't already checked to see if they have a primary coming up should check um, and and make sure you vote in November whether you vote for the incumbent or somebody or somebody else you know there's um, if you haven't yet called your representative about something they've been there almost two years now you should you know, I, I am my myself have not have not done that yet either. So it's not it's not like I'm a I'm a hero here. But I do I I get I get frustrated when local races don't have debates because nobody wants to participate. So how do what I'm sure there's lots of ideas I guess I, I guess I want to, I guess I want a plan, and what I keep hearing from other people is they want a plan, but I don't think there is a plan. 
That's so deep. <laughs> it must be Tuesday. Oh, wait, it's 420. That's what happened. <laughs> Andrew, I really appreciate all that, all that input. Andrew. I've got another Andrew. Same Andrew. Looks like. Hello. 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 What's on your mind? I just wanted to say thank God Roe v. Wade was overturned. I know that's not your topic today, but I'm just so happy about it. I just want to share my joy. I'm so happy. Well, I'm so glad for you to share your joy, Andrew. I hope you enjoy your afternoon. Thanks thank for you. Are you in. Are you also happy that Roe v. Wade was overturned? I said, were you also happy that Roe v. Wade was overturned, Amanda? Well, you know, since that's not the topic, and I don't think I really have... I don't really have uh, interest in having that discussion because I think there's a lot of things going on and that's not my concern. But don't you but love babies, Amanda? I love babies. Don't you love the babies? You know, Andrew, thank you for calling. I appreciate your voice. In this. I hope that you love babies too, Amanda. I hope you love God and baby. You know... I actually don't really like babies. I don't hate babies, but babies have nothing to do with Roe being overturned, and so that's what that is. I appreciate your bringing it up, though, because, you know, you can never have too much culture war. On that note, with no callers in the queue and Fred Hampton in and sweets on deck, in just a few minutes... I am going to say thank you all for being here, and I'm going to close the show as I opened it with Leonard Cohen, Democracy. Thank you all for coming. I'm going to be back on Friday afternoon. Even you, Mr. Andrew, not the first Andrew, the second. Please, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your week until Friday, and we'll talk to you then. It's coming through a hole. It's coming from the field that isn't ain't exactly real, or it's real, but it ain't exactly real. From the war against disorder, from the sirens night and day, from the fires of the homeless, from the ashes of the gay, democracy is coming to the USA.
Yeah. <laughs> 